Welcome to the Grapevine Society podcast, a platform for sharing the experiences of young people as we figure things out, from student life to post-graduation. I'm your host, Safiwi Blathketh, and in each episode you'll be hearing real stories from real people, because anecdotal evidence can be invaluable when it comes to getting the specifics. Welcome back. Welcome back, everyone. We have Calypso.Sings on the podcast. <laughs> That's Woo! That's just my Instagram <laughs> handle. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> if anyone listened to um, the episode I did with Zara and Zahara, which is applying to study medicine at Oxford, then um, this is what you've all been waiting for. I'm sure like they're going to be probably the most excited to listen to this. Yeah. Out of Strong everyone. audience of two. Yes. Yeah. Better than zero. <laughs> <laughs> Damn right. Um, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, hello. First of all, thank you so much for having me. Can Not I just say it's a massive pleasure to be here. <laughs> um, my name is Calypso. I uh, am a musician and singer-songwriter. I'm 24 and I'm from Salisbury. I wanted to basically get you on today to talk all about your music career so far um, and being sort of a creative per- like young person today as well because... Um, there's lots of different things that come with that and I can relate in certain ways because obviously I did art and I don't know it's one of those things I'm like do you call yourself an artist and like when do you do that right so I thought we could start with a bit of background info about you um, in terms of how long ago you decided that you wanted to do music as like your career path and be did you want to be like a musician did you want to be a singer like what was it Mm. for you Okay, well, I guess it started when I was 11, but maybe even before that, because I've been doing music, like, I've been playing musical instruments since I was, like, six or seven, because I'm one of five kids, and we all play instruments, um, because my dad is musical, and my mom is, like, a bit musical, and she really likes music, so we started... uh, learning instruments at quite a young age I think I started with piano and singing and then moved on to violin and then later like double bass um but also guitar so like I was taught the classical instruments um but with with guitar it was it was totally self-taught but I think that's the reason I started playing guitar around 11 because um my mum had a guitar which my dad had bought for her at university which she never like ever touched and it was just in the corner doing nothing. And I just thought, oh, it's time to start being edgy. So <laughs> I was like, I'm going to learn guitar. At the start, when you're 11, it, does that count as preteen? Yeah, for It sure. does. Yeah. Because a preteen isn't just anything before 13, though, is it? It's like from sort of, I would say I it's, like it's like from like... nine. Yeah. Nine or ten. So that's a that's a it's a weird age to be. It's a, it's just a very squiffy like weird time yeah. to be alive, um, and so I was just like I was feeling that angst. I was like oh, I got to be different, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because I think everyone gets a bit of that, yeah. you know, because when when you're young and when you're like a kid and someone asks what do you want to do when you're older, everyone's like I want to be an astronaut, I want to be a vet. Like you have to learn so much fucking shit for that, and so I was just like you know what I just want to be able to express myself in a way that isn't so like I don't know mundane maybe yeah um and that's what art is for so I started learning guitar and then I wrote a song when I was 11 called sitting under the tree 
which was really shit. I really um, want to ask you to give us like a rendition of it. But okay, I'm sure maybe later know. in the yeah. show, okay. if I can remember the words. <laughs> but the words, the, the lyrics are really like, oh, like, it's just you and me. We're sitting under the tree. Like, oh, I love you so much. It's like, what the fuck am I talking about? I'm 11. Do you know what I mean? But actually, it's so funny. I was going to say, 11 seems really young to do that. But I remember me and my mate, literally made up a song when we were like year five year six and made up a dance routine in the playground so you are closer to god at that time (laughs) at that age you are like it's before i i really do think that there is just um for everyone's (laughs) for all the listeners out there when i say you're closer to god i don't i'm not talking about any like kind of christian thing (laughs) like that ain't me um but what I'm saying basically is that maybe you are closer when you're younger to, to innocence in like a very literal sense. Um, meaning that you just, you haven't been clogged up with all the shit and norms of the adult world yet. And so actually your creativity and your imagination, more importantly, are completely unpolluted mm. um, by sort of the constant media we consume as we get older especially you know in like a technological age so i think there was a certain purity to what i was writing um and i did feel very peaceful i guess when i was writing peaceful despite the fact that i was just about to become a teenager who didn't know who she was or anything like that so i guess art is still everyone regardless of your age it's still a way in to escape that the sort of quotidian troubles that you accumulate over the years and that was the very beginning of it for me yeah so did that really come from guitar specifically because I was going to say like with learning several instruments at the same time or one after the other did you actually did you pick those instruments and did you enjoy that or was it like here's you should learn the piano now and then go into the double bass um and yeah I think with an instrument like piano it's an absolute staple for any musician great one over here yes well you know I I really think it is because and you know if you study music at university or school or whatever everyone demands that you do keyboard skills and because of the way the piano is laid out you have a very nice aerial view of how harmony and chord progressions work so from that point of view the piano is a real essential for musicians i'm not saying that if you don't learn the piano like uh like you're a fucking squib like fuck off like i'm not saying that at all because you know i know a lot of amazing musicians who are just singers or they're just violinists or whatever but it's sort of, for me, it's where it all starts. Um, it's where all sort of my classical music starts and it's where my sort of, uh, I don't know, theory, theoretical knowledge and sort of experience of harmony and the technical side of music starts. Um, with violin, um, apparently my mum said when I was quite young, I just picked out my granddad's violin from under the piano and was like, I wanna learn this, mum. Trub, Trub so, prodigy. Yeah, and like, it was a really nice violin. Like, it was really fit. I mean, my granddad, you know, had great taste. He was a gay man. So granddad had this... I actually, I never met him. He was my dad's father. And he, I think he, he died either when I was very, very young or actually before I was born. But he had this violin, which was like a really beautiful dark wood with a kind of checkered, almost dog tooth border. 
Like it was really beautiful. Mm. Yeah. Um, and so I kind of just, I just thought, you know, I was seven, I was like, that's a sexy instrument. Like I wanna play that. And I thought, you know, when violin is played well, it is the most stunningly beautiful instrument ever because all stringed instruments are closer to the human voice than, than others, I think. I've only ever heard other instruments be played like that. There's a really good trumpeter, but enough on that. And so it was, I just, yeah, I just really wanted to learn the violin. But unfortunately, when you start learning the violin, you don't make it sound like a beautiful human voice. You make it sound like you're dragging a cat which has had chalk and nails super glued all over it across a chalkboard made of broken glass yeah. <laughs> I mean, and that's kind of what it sounded like and i had this teacher who was quite like she was always kind of scary like a bit rough she was not rough as in like not rough as in like you know cheap fag in her mouth kind of thing but she was just quite forceful violin teachers tend to be a bit grabbing your fingers and being like no don't do this don't do that so that was a traumatic experience but yeah violin was great Violin was great in the end, although I didn't get to grade eight. I just stopped after seven. <laughs> I remember, um, like in my primary school, something like walking past like the makeshift hut where people would have their like violin, <laughs> which is was full of like so much other crap in there, yeah. um, or like flute or something, and it would always just sound a little unappealing. The me. most delicate instruments should not be handled by children. But the <laughs> harsh reality is that in order to become really good at them, they have to be held by children. <laughs> It's like when you look at grown-ups, if you look at like, I don't know, yeah, like really good painters or really good sculptors or something, what you're seeing, I think when actually you see any kind of artistic performance or, you know, any athletic performances, you are seeing what is almost the finished product and you're not seeing the hours of torment and practice and boredom and um, sort of banality that is enforced on you in order to get to that point yeah it's like exactly. that book outliers did you ever read that no basically this guy i can't remember his name right now but he he talks about how every expert in their field has done ten thousand hours of that particular thing oh, yeah. so it's like the ten thousand hour sort of sort of mark um but yeah so there was violin mm-hmm. there was violin and there was piano and there was singing because my dad um came from a very choral background because um, his family was Catholic. Thank fuck we haven't really brought that into our sort of shading. We're not, you know, we're not well behaved enough in my family. Plus I'm a massive gay. But yeah, so like we had a lot of um, involvement with cathedral choirs. And my dad, after he was an opera singer, he sang in a cathedral choir, which he literally stopped doing last year so he'd sung there for in Salisbury Cathedral Choir for like three decades um all my siblings are sung in Salisbury Cathedral Choir I sang in Guildford Cathedral Choir um so like there's a lot of choral music going on as well uh double bass I thought it looks kind of cool it's a big instrument it makes a beautiful noise and there's not a lot of difficult like difficult pieces to play on it because its main purpose is just to fatten up an orchestra so fucking pain in the ass to carry around, by the way. Like Can learn the piccolo next time. You know what I'm saying? I look like one of those like stag beetles. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, the, the point is there aren't a lot of double bassists. And 
as with all of the instruments, it was a way in to uh, find find a scholarship to get to a new center of education, a new institution, a new school. Um, so my double bass and my violin helped me get into my secondary school and also into my sixth form. So that that was a huge element actually in my family, which really can't be understated, which was that we were too poor to go to um, private school just as the fees were because the fees are mental like mm. they're just way too much and you know one of the schools wasn't even very good you know what i'm saying i mean the music there was really good but the teaching was just kind of crap no offense i'm sure it's better now and i don't have to mention what school it yeah, was no, no, no. but then when i went to uh my sixth form everything was just like at a massive m- way different level like mm. i know sixth form was meant to be kind of like you know a sort of precursor to university anyway but this was like mega very much like that so that was good and all of the orchestras there were great you know never not played in an orchestra at school or sung in a choir at school so I've always had a very strong connection to classical music um but you know if what I liked about guitar was that it wasn't something someone was telling me to do yeah and even from that young age of 11 you're one is you know you're cognizant of the fact that there are lots of things now being actually enforced on you which don't necessarily float your boat you see them as being necessary and your parents and your family reinforce that they're necessary but that doesn't actually mean that they're enjoyable so sitting down to do even just half an hour's practice of violin for me was sometimes torturous like I just didn't want to do it um but sitting down in my own time to play guitar for two hours was just a joy because when you're a beginner at something like that every tiny step you make every millisecond that is shaved off between changing from one chord to another feels like you've won a marathon so from that point of view it was way more rewarding because I'm the one giving myself the reward I'm the one who's gauging what the reward is and the funny thing is that the reward wasn't the kind of reward I would receive after I'd done violin practice you know it wasn't like some chocolate or like a pat on the back or anything like that it was sheer fucking having learned a bit more guitar which just felt fucking amazing Mm -hmm. and there was an ownership of it which I really loved um Um, yeah I guess there's no there's not that outside pressure as well so it's like these incremental steps of like I'm making progress, but on my own terms and it feels good to do that. And I'm really enjoying that process. Mm. I don't feel like I need to be, I know, did you do your grades in that as well? No, no, I didn't so do any, yeah. any grades in, in guitar. There was nothing that judged its progression other than me, mm. really. And I mean, <laughs> you know, sometimes if I played something to someone and they'd be like, oh, your guitar playing's got better. And I'd be like, that's nice, but that that wouldn't evoke a feeling stronger than that which my own sort of satisfaction had because obviously so you mentioned that like the like classical music and stuff was a big part did you did you get inspired by what other music were you listening to at the time I want to know like young calypso no I was listening to so much different stuff so much different stuff so when I was 11 I can remember there was one Christmas where I was so thrilled because I got an outcast single you know, hey, yeah, I got yeah, that. Yeah, great and I also got Jamelia's debut album. Oh, okay. You know, yeah, um, Superstar, right? Yeah, 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 Superstar. And I just used to sit in my room, like, listening to them. And I also got Franz Ferdinand as well. Oh, okay, yeah. 
Um, so that is quite already quite there's there's a bit of a difference between those albums i mean you know one's you've got r&b and then you've got sort of weird like alternative like uh indie swishy hair kind of stripy shirt business you know sort of like anemic (laughs) looking men with guitars um and so there was that but also like having four older siblings i did just kind of consume all of their music as well so there was a lot of Red Hot Chili Peppers. There was a lot of Blink-182, uh, Sum 41, other bands with numbers in them. Um, but also like Britney. Uh, what else? Like, you know, just all the kind of the classics of the 90s and noughties. I just sort of absorbed, which has actually resulted in not having a very clear direction generically. Um because so many things so many different encounters to each day when i feel like writing a song evoke a memory of a different genre of a different time of a different artist so it's really hard to actually find something which which has a clearly defined genre if that makes sense in in the music did you ever struggle with the fact that you didn't have or you maybe still don't have a really defined genre? Because I think that's one of the things um, potentially it's easy to pigeonhole yourself in a sense to kind of say, oh, I need to be making pop music so that can go into the charts or dance music. And it's like, well, actually, more and more you realize how much a certain maybe genre of music is actually considered alternative or uh, other or something because there are so many different strands of other sort of genres that mm. inspire that mm. one music um so yeah did you ever find it like hard I think I did find it hard in the sense that I wanted to I cared a lot about what people were hearing but now if we were to sort of transfer this to visual art if you paint something or if you sculpt something or if you sew something there is a unifying factor which is you right yeah and the same goes for music if you look at how people's uh i don't know who's an, who's an artist whose style has changed quite a lot actually you know what? here's a good example lady gaga right lady gaga does these like big piano ballads but she also does big dance numbers as well and there is literally no reason why other artists shouldn't sort of follow suit and explore all these different avenues because ultimately we have each person is you know corny as it is it's it's true that each person is unique um and we have all experienced different things in different ways but also the same things and so regardless of what you put out someone there hopefully will recognize that same feeling that same inkling that same emotion or just sound really uh and so i'm not so worried about having to stick to a particular genre because i think that just sort of cuts you off from so much and actually what you basically just end up i guess tying tying the the veins that go to the heart of it in knots Mm. um so really the only solution is to listen to as much and as many different varieties of music as possible because it seems sort of more forceful than sort of like 
organic <laughs> use that yeah. word way too much with an art but um it's kind of that thing of like as you naturally progress or go through things in life you're going to want to show that and it's going to manifest in different ways and therefore come out in different sounds so why can't you do that even within one album for example mm. but I was actually I wrote this down in my notes the other day and I think I must have heard it on a podcast or something a while ago saying how when you think of all sort of the artists who are known as the greats um one of the things that they have in common and you know there's probably a few exceptions to this but is that they reinvented themselves so if you look at the Beatles like of course like how different they got every, is the yeah. Big oh yeah of course Bowie's that big, too but, you know yeah. just like he's a literally he's a different person you know um no i completely agree with that but then these the beatles were at liberty to do that because actually they're mentioned in that book outliers because before oh, right. they got big they were playing i think in hamburg at a strip joint day and night after day and night after day and night mm. and so they became so in tune all good bands are basically rehearsed to the point where they're like one multi-armed man. And it's the same with, do you, do you ever listen to any Steely Dan? No. Steely Dan uh, were a band in like um, the, I think the 70s and 80s. And they apparently just were rigorous about their rehearsal. And you really hear it in their music. Everything is just, it's it's bizarre to listen to in some ways. So I, I recommend, I recommend them. Thank you. You're welcome. So I guess going into maybe more of like the creative process itself and the fact that, you know, there are these like waves and it's ups and downs and there's periods of like essentially what everyone knows as writer's block. And um, how's that been for you, especially because it's one thing, you know, I think I, we didn't really mention this at the start, but we met through uni and obviously you were doing a very demanding degree at the time, but still like basically building up this career and releasing music and doing that while studying um so how's it been you know trying to make music and doing so while studying versus now you know being a year out of that mm. i'd say that just quick disclaimer i got a tutu in classics such a useful degree um but had i not had music i would have got a third or failed because I think if you're very fortunate, you're doing a degree that you absolutely love, you're passionate about, and it's just, you just know that that is what you're going to do forever. You know, some people actually have degrees which are vocations. Mine wasn't so much. Like, I got a lot out of it. And, you know, if you guys ever need to read some good stories, like, literally just start with anything classical because it's, it's the basis of a lot of very good stories. Um... And I got a lot of good logical thinking out of it. I got a lot of language skills out of it, which I don't use. Um, but again, music for me has always been emblematic. Well, songwriting has always been emblematic in my life of not following the status quo. I'm not like other girls. <laughs> nah. But seriously though. Like, no, but seriously. <laughs> no, but seriously, like, if you associate one thing with a kind of rebellion, you know, like we were saying earlier that for me, guitar learning was was symbolic of my own self, of my own persona, of an independent creature that could play and learn and sing and reward herself. That's why I needed it so much at university when you're doing a degree which is kind of good, but also sort of traumatic and you need release 
So when it comes to writer's block, I was really good at starting songs and so bad at finishing them because I would use it as a crutch in the sense that I would be like, right, I'm feeling really shit about what just happened today. You know, my philosophy tutor hates me because she really did. Um, to be fair, I was really shit. Uh, and I'd be like, right, I'm just gonna get it all out. I'm gonna go to the piano. I'm gonna rent out the music room, go to the piano and just, you know, fire something out. And I would end up coming up with these like, really like quite intense ideas. And I'd be like, okay, done now, bye. <laughs> you know? And actually like that is, if we talk about that, that book, The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield, great which book. Sophia really kindly lent me. It's a great book. Um, I really cannot recommend it more to anyone out there who's creative and needs a bit of a kick up the arse. Like that, what I was doing there was very amateur because what I was doing was I was using it purely for my own gain. And actually it's your duty to a kind of higher creative force to to take on a sort of professionalism whereby you say, right, here's this idea. And now to really combat writer's block, I need to dedicate a certain number of hours to it every single day and just sit there and try. Because what I wasn't doing was trying because obviously my brain was filled with fucking Latin and Greek and oh, I've got to do this essay or i got to revise for that. So at university, music was very useful for release and expression um, and, you know, the odd bit of pocket money if I ever did a gig. But it wasn't... I, I feel like it was a time in which I was actually storing up song ideas to release and work on after I finished mm. because it is hard balancing the two things. It's hard committing yourself entirely to two very disparate professional spheres because when you're at university, if you want to pass, you have to have a like quite professional attitude towards it. So I was actually quite organized. Doesn't mean I did well, but I did it. I was organized about sitting down dedicating however many hours to an essay a day which meant that music was squeezed into this format of just do it because you need it you know like a smoker who needs a cigarette I was like fuck it it's time it's time for my fix sort of like a cathartic cry or something absolutely absolutely and what's so nice about it is that it's a cathartic cry that no one actually has to listen to if they don't want mm. to you know, yeah. I'm, I wasn't enforcing it on anyone, maybe apart from my girlfriend a couple of times, but... She loved it, though. Yeah, she <laughs> fucking loved it. Um, but, you know, I'd just be like, this is this is me time. It's a real narcissistic paradise to just get by the piano and just pretend for a second that essays don't matter and the only thing that matters is you and your pain, <laughs> yeah. basically. Love an ego. <laughs> yeah, we love an ego. But again, an ego, that whole egoic side of it is so amateur. Like it's the professional side of it is where you set aside your ego because your ego is the thing giving you the writer's block. Ego is the Enemy by Ryan Holiday, another great book. Mm -hmm. Would recommend. Absolutely. I mean, it really is. And so that professionalism is when you're like, okay, fuck off ego. Now I'm going to take bits of you which I like and I'm going to get rid of bits that, I, that don't help me. And I'm going to sit down and I'm going to do this. And yeah. that is like shitting a pine cone. It is so hard, but ultimately like really helpful. Yeah. Did you feel like um, it's kind of become more of like a sustainable sort of process 
post uni as well now that you don't have to you know sit down and dedicate hours to things that you may not really love okay so confession time yeah i would love for it to have been sustainable from the get-go but after you do a four-year degree which has sapped away your life you kind of just want to slob it's all like you know how loads of people when they retire they die it's a sad reality guys yeah but it's the truth which is that people need work i needed not to work so after uni i just i think i just played playstation for like a year (laughs) red dead redemption (laughs) red dead redemption plug it plug it boy um you know like i just and my mum was really sweet about it as well because she was like you need to rest you really need to rest and in hindsight yes i did and also in hindsight there's nothing i can do about it now and i think yeah i did need it and it was good and it has refreshed me um but then again i i don't know i I say like i played playstation for a year but i think it's more that the summer after my exams i went away for quite a long time pre-covid bless um and you know i spent a lot of time with anna um you know in lovely places you know we went to greece it was great and i just felt all the knots in my back all the knots of four years finally undoing themselves and then come september when i'm back in england living with my parents i thought right i'm gonna do this properly i'm gonna pay my parents rent i'm gonna have a sort of microcosm of adulthood here and i'm gonna start smacking out this music so i just had a mindset which was right you've done the work you didn't like now let's do the work you do like so i just went all guns blazing on finding gigs didn't matter what it was you know i would go to a local pub like in a village outside salisbury and i would play songs about tinder and one night stands to coughing pensioners who weren't really listening and i was like this is fucking great like this is what it's all about um and then of course covid happened yeah which then offered an opportunity for uh songwriting which which was good but you know it's it's just so fascinating how you set yourself a routine and it can just disintegrate before your eyes without your even realizing i was like you know i actually worked one out with my brother because uh, he's a musician and he was like right here's what you've got to do you're going to spend the first two hours of every day finding gigs on the internet then you're going to have a little break then you're going to do another two hours of songwriting have a little break then you're going to do your final two hours um literally just practicing theory on guitar practicing scales the, the grammar of music i did it for like two days yeah and then I was like, fuck this, man. I want to go be a cowboy. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> does it like suck the joy out of it though? Because I think once you realize that you have to sort of have this professional aspect to it in order to, you know, make it sustainable as a career and get an income from it and make a living, it's a hard thing to balance because you're like, oh, I have to put in the work of the things that I don't really like and do all the admin stuff and like actually go searching for gigs. Like, so what did you do? Did you like email people, call people, go up and like speak to them in person? All of that, yeah. all of that. I contacted everyone I knew. Um, I went on, uh, you know, when I, w- I would go busking sort of um, on the significant days where there was like a market day, like Tuesdays and Saturdays in Salisbury, one of the longest running markets in England, guys, just uh, by the way. Um, And I would just like, 
I would go and go and bask and people come up to me and say, blah, 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 blah. You know, um, one woman came up to me and she was like, oh, you're basking. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, kind of giving her the eyes, like, give me some fucking money right now. And she was like, oh, yes, my son used to do that, but he's way beyond that now. Oh. And I was like, oh, right, really? He says, yes, he did a gig in Costa the other day. And I was like, okay, well, fucking good for him. Piss off. Level up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> expert level attained um but you know to to be fair on that guy he was obviously doing what i was doing you yeah. know you just gotta take every single gig um but yeah so i did a lot of busking and that that got me some places um some gigs but also the good thing about music is that like it's always required somewhere at some function where people want to dance or cry or both and so i i got gigs literally just doing parties for friends someone in the square uh where i was busking i had to hook up my amp to the hog roast van they were so lovely there they were so lovely there you know because this was before i had a good battery powered amp and the woman who ran it was like would you be interested in doing a party for my daughter or whatever and i was like yeah yes. i would <laughs> just say yes to everything because it doesn't do any harm and you never know who you're going to meet from it too. you never know who you're going to meet and you can't look back on it and think imagine if i'd been there at that time yeah you know you just say yes to everything when you should i think word of mouth is a huge thing as well because mm. especially if you are essentially like a freelancer oh you work for your you know you work for yourself um, and you don't really know where your next job is coming from yeah it may not be the perfect party that you really envision your music at but if they, you know, had a good experience and they like what you do, they're way more likely to pass you on to someone they know because, or someone who's there may be like, oh, I want to host something and I would love that kind of music or something. So you never know who's going to who's going to resonate yeah. with. And yeah. if you don't take the opportunity and then make opportunities for yourself, then you can't just expect it to suddenly come. Yeah, you may have the creative genius or you may have like all the most amazing music in the world, but if you're not um taking some sort of measure to share it then you can't really expect mm. it to like i know mm. you can't really no one can expect to be an overnight success it just no. doesn't really work like that and that's why that particular element i think is really prevalent in universities because you're surrounded by people who like you don't know who they are and their search for identity is dynamite for your career because if you're a small-time musician or a small-time artist someone some hipster out there is gonna be like yeah have you heard this person i heard them first before anyone else heard them do you know what i mean 100%. it's like it is like that yeah. it's like that because you know your burgeoning career to them is is a way to create a unique social identity so i have a lot of insecure people to thank for helping me um and things just happen things just happen but mm. you do have to allow them to happen as well yeah which is exactly as you were saying so you don't know who you're going to meet you don't know what's going to happen you don't know who they're going to talk to um but if you have been seen heard or smelled by them and sensed by them then you now belong to a small part in their brain they might not use it a lot they might not tell you about other people but you still created a chance that they might Exactly. And it may even come like a few months or even like a year later that they remember you, you know, exactly. it doesn't mean like, oh, that oh, I did this gig and then someone got in touch and but they never got back to me in the end or, you know, they you just didn't hear from them after a while or something. But it doesn't mean that 
you know, a few months down the line or whenever that you may, that person may come back into your life and offer you a different opportunity or something. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it's about kind of just putting yourself out there, giving yourself that exposure mm-hmm. um, and seeing what happens with it. And like kind of what will be, will be. Exactly. It's very much like dating. Mm. Like if you treat your career like your love life, sometimes if you give someone you wouldn't necessarily consider a chance, they turn out to be the best thing. And similarly, if you get ghosted by someone who you thought was amazing, that can also turn out to be an amazing thing. So I am a bit of a believer in that that wanky, you know, it all happens for a reason, <laughs> which I think is just what disastrous people tell us. That's true, right? <laughs> but, but I really, I am starting to believe it. I am starting to believe it. But there's no point in overthinking anything, right? Because yeah. the point is that, it didn't happen yeah. so you didn't know what would happen if it did so yeah, just you move know, on you know exactly uh, i also want to talk a bit about because it is difficult you know being in the sort of creative industry and also having to find work for yourself and how have you managed that in terms of like you know you mentioned you pay your parents rent and has that been from all like music based jobs or i know cuz you did like you worked as a tutor and you still do right Mm -hmm. and like have Mm -hmm. other jobs that sort of make a living as well Mm. um i think if you are wanting to go into something creative you better resign yourself pretty early to the fact that you're not going to have dispensable income like your friends who go and work in the city or like friends who just work in an office or something who have regular means um of sort of just treating themselves or going out you know which actually adds a lot of color and variety to life because if you decide to go out uh, it's a big deal you know and whoever invites you should be very happy that you've come because you're actually saying to yourself this is fine i'll be here i just can't eat for a few days but that's that's completely fine but no i mean yeah the degree the whole point of getting the degree was that i had a stable base um which is bloody ridiculous. I should have done something like business studies, which would have been way more useful than classics. But classics has been good for tutoring. Um, And especially, you know, when the whole COVID thing hit and schools were closing, all these parents were rushing around like, who's going to teach my son Latin and Greek? He will be a failure if he does not continue. I'm like, bitch, I'm here. (laughs) Um... So yeah, I I teach, uh, I've got one pupil at the moment whom I teach uh, twice a week, not teaching him at the moment because his school's actually reopened, um, but I will teach him again in half term. Um, And he's really small and cute and just the life of the party. I love him. Like he's only 11 and I'm the youngest of five kids. Like I've never had a younger sibling and I haven't really like spent much time around like my cousin's children either. Like... (laughs) It's just so nice being able to engage with someone who just has a fresh mind, basically, and is just so sweet. But also, kids' brains are so absorbent. Like, they just pick stuff up. So tutoring, love it. But I have been incredibly fortunate in that the first pupil I've had has just been a dreamboat, an angel without wings. Um, So, yeah, there's tutoring. Then there are the less glamorous jobs. Um, I worked for a recruitment centre well, I applied to one rather who got me jobs hoovering army barracks. There are lots of army barracks around Wiltshire because um, Salisbury Plain is like quite a big um, sort of military exercise ground. 
Um, so I hoovered an entire sports hall by myself um, wow. <laughs> over the course of a few hours. Um, and, you know, just sort of, it was because this barracks was building a new sports hall and so everything needed dusting and mopping and hoovering. And it was great. I just plugged in my iPod, wasn't wearing any makeup. I was feeling, you know, free. Um, and I just listened to Peep Show episodes. I think I must have listened to like two seasons of Peep Show just as I hoovered this Wait, sports you hall. you listened to Peep Show? Yeah, shows. because I, I've watched it so many times that now you know. that I know what the picture is. So actually when I hear it, I know I'm basically watching it. Yeah. Um, which is kind of weird, but I didn't, I actually didn't listen to any music when I did it because when I listen to music, I want to be able to actually listen to it. And it's actually much nicer to sort of half watch a TV show. You feel like you're in company as well. Yeah, I get what you mean. I mean, I thought you were definitely going to say that you were listening to music whilst you were, you know, no, doing it. But no. I think that's another thing that's so important as well though because it can get to a stage where you know your life and work are sort of so intertwined and it is you know like you said you picked up the guitar age 11 right Mm. because you wanted to because it was fun and now suddenly it's like okay yeah it has evolved and you are now doing this as a way to uh, make money so it's kind of become your career as well so how do you then navigate that sort of thing of like, okay, so what do you do in your downtime now? Does um, play and rest still equal learning the guitar or mm. doing it for fun or just um, how do you kind of switch? Maybe you don't switch off from that actually. I don't know. How does that yeah. work? Because like, it is quite a difficult thing. The line blurs. Yeah. The line really does blur, but I think it's all in your head. So there's no such thing as switching off, but there is such a thing of just being here and now. And so I think the thing which really makes people anxious when they merge their passion and their profession is that they always feel like they could be doing more um, because there isn't a structure in place for them. It's not like a nine to five where it's all very obvious when you go to work and when you come home and you just slob out and, you know, eat in front of the TV or whatever. So for me, it's been a real struggle establishing when is it time to relax and what is relaxation and really it's just forgetting about what happened earlier and forgetting about what could happen in a couple of hours and just being here and now going for a walk really helps being in nature is very nice um but it could also be playing the guitar and also you know that small podcast we were listening to this morning Mm. about how um you just need to be able to allow yourself to put the joy and freedom and play back into it Uh, I think that's really important not having the pressure to create um so I'd say when I relax I can be playing guitar but I allow it to be more like the kind of expression I utilized in while I was at university rather than this pressured I must finish this project because especially if in your day you've created such a routine that you have those four hours where you have done that then you can do whatever you want, but your conscience will be clean. So I guess, is it a case of like, okay, well, this is not being recorded and I can be anywhere and just like play the guitar and that will be enough for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I get that, especially with, I mean, again, that's a part of the, just the creative process, but it is such a hard thing to allow yourself and allow your body to like rest. And it's like that book that you just gave me, mm-hmm. another book recommendation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um which I mean, I've only just read the introduction of, but it is so true, this idea of being overworked and having this, um, you know, 
like you said, passion as your profession. Mm. It's like you could be working all the time. And I think I found that especially with my degree and doing like fine art and um, knowing that there was always more that you could be doing. There's always more that you could um, be improving on. And if you had the time, then why not use it? But actually, if you don't take the time to rest and do other things, then it may be like an active rest. Um, and literally just be sociable or like hang out with friends, then it's gonna be probably worse in the long run for you too because your brain sort of needs that because you always need time away from something mm. to then revisit it. It's like when you, I don't know. You it's t- like always I mean, being awake. You have to go <laughs> yeah, to sleep. That's so true. You've got to sleep at some point. Yeah. You've got to let your body recover. And yeah. I guess with, I feel like we're writing songs probably. You've probably written some lyrics or something where you're like, oh, that's really quite good. Then you come back to it, you leave it then you come back to it like the next day where you're like, what was I thinking? Yeah. That was, that's that's not great. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah. yeah, definitely, definitely. Can so relate, um, not to the writing part, but um, I guess when you, when for you me, it's when I do drawing. Yeah, yeah, when it, literally when you're creating anything, mm-hmm. I think it can, yeah, it spans all of that That's stuff. why I think video games are so important because I've always had a very, um, troublesome relationship with video games Mm -hmm. my whole family has i've got three brothers uh and whenever we've sat down and played them we've been like am i wasting my time they think no i'm having such a good time and actually time enjoyed is never time wasted and you just having to let that go especially when you come from a background which is like right we're gonna get you into this university you're gonna do this you're gonna have a stable happy life for yourself you just want to stop and smell the flowers, mm. whether they're computer generated or not, you know? So you've got to be in a really paradoxical sense. You've got to be determined to work at relaxing <laughs> and you've got to say to yourself, right, you've clocked off, chill the fuck out. Yeah. And it's it's really hard. It's, it's really so hard. hard. It's like you saying, like what you were saying about, um, you know, if you do have like a nine to five job or something, yeah, I mean, I know a lot of people go over those hours and, you know, they can still work on the weekends and all that kind of stuff. But it's that thing of like, oh, um, and I've been speaking to my friends about this, who one of them has a nine to five job. Um, and they're kind of saying how actually their weekend very much is their weekend. It's like free and open because they literally do not have any task or something, like anything to do over the weekend. Um, or after they come mm. home, you know, if it's a Friday evening, they can literally completely switch off because they know nothing's going to come in until like Monday morning. Yeah. Whereas... I kind of got through a phase of like using my weekends as almost time to yeah like either catch up on work or be like okay I was a bit more relaxed on this day of the week so I'm gonna use my Saturday for that instead um and I think it is all about just consistency and getting into implementing your own structure yeah yeah because once you uh, fall into that um it becomes a whole lot easier because you feel like you have that sense of structure and like for it to be still quite relaxed but I feel like especially now with you know, remote, let's say remote learning, um, remote uh, working and people were sort of leaning more towards the idea of this four day week and mm. they're really sort of rethinking about like how we're choosing to spend our time and why so much is dedicated to work and how we can like reshuffle that. Mm. Um, I don't know. It's very unnatural changes, to work yeah. all the time. Mm. Very unnatural. I mean, from a purely biological primeval sense, the world itself has downtime it has seasons you know so you 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 harvest and you plant and you need to be able to differentiate when those times are or else you're not going to grow anything basically that's my very convoluted (laughs) analogy but i kind of love it yeah well (laughs) you know what i mean though like 
it's just there is there is night and day there there are shifts and the the world nature is isn't just this sort of one face thing it's it's beyond binary as well it has all these different um shades and seasons and i think you know it's just you need to i think something that's really disappeared since our whole world has become much more cerebral is a connection to our bodies and i think actually when you need to relax my body always tells me there is a gut instinct which is like actually don't pick up the guitar don't try to do something you've already done however many hours just let yourself be and that of course is at the core of meditation as well which is why so many people struggle with meditation now because we are so embroiled in the distractions of the world that actually sitting down and saying I'm not going to do anything for even five minutes I'm just going to focus on my breath for five minutes not worry about anything not think about anything the not thinking part is impossible it's Mm. so hard and when you have that thought just see it as a passing cloud it's really hard to do yeah it's really hard to do and it's because there's always something to do um so yeah but i heard as well that our brains aren't even wired that way that it's we're always going to be thinking anyway so it's just kind of like letting them letting yourself have those thoughts and just but letting them pass and not really exactly yeah yeah. Like you can entertain them. It's the same reason why we're like the most advanced species on the planet as well is because of that hunger. And it's also, but that that kind of um, nonstop thinking ambition, I guess, is also what is uh, what contributes to sort of the hunger for power mm. as well. It's what creates a lot of conflict as well. So it's achieving that balance. It's getting that yin and yang, that that chaos and order sort of into perfect harmony, which yeah. is the hardest thing. Um, but it's all about yeah like you're saying the balance it's like knowing that it's not this even if you do think you found it it's always going to go up and down no matter for like the rest of your time do you know what I mean so it's kind of allowing yourself to always sort of come back to that mid sort of session I don't know can you I'm just trying to imagine like a graph right now and just like curves going up and down yeah just like always coming back the troughs and the peaks yeah yeah definitely no I, I totally get that I totally get that. Yeah. Um, and then lastly, to kind of round this okay. chat off. I have been rambling so much. <laughs> Let me just apologise. so good. <laughs> I want to talk about, um, like, currently how you're working and how you're sort of, the process you're going through in terms of trying to promote or just, like, give out your music in a way and get people to listen. I know what you're getting listen. to, Sophia. Yes. Yes. I know you want to talk about TikTok. TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, it has to be done. And I think it's a really good thing to talk about because I didn't think you'd be on TikTok. I'm not going to lie. Do you think I fucking thought I'd be on TikTok? <laughs> I'm technically, not. wait, am I a millennial or a Gen Z? I'm I 1996. Oh, I think you're probably I think just before. Just a millennial. Yeah, I think you're a millennial. But really, I do feel like my year group the people born in 1996 do feel a huge affinity with Gen Z. So we're, we're sort of in this dual the personality. Cusp. We're on the cusp. She is a bit adorable and a bit annoying. Right on the cusp. <laughs> That's a peep show quotation for those of you who are wondering. Um, yeah, like, okay, so TikTok. I mean, there are so many different avenues. An artist, be it visual or, you know, musical can, can go down. Uh, insofar as promotion is concerned. Self-promotion is one of the most painful, 
awkward, unnatural feeling things for a certain, you know, type of person. For other people, it just comes naturally, you know. Um, but for me, it's... I, I'm just always like, oh, I need to put a joke in here. Otherwise, I'm going to come across as cringe. And in doing so, come across a thousand times more cringe. But at least you're self-aware. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes. Um, but so, yeah, I'd been doing sort of yeah relying on word of mouth a lot um but also you know sharing things on facebook and on instagram but ultimately you need to reach a wide audience and you need to decide a who that audience is and b what can you bring them so obviously uh, i'm not straight <laughs> who is am i right guys okay Sophia's just grinning at me she's like <laughs> i am <laughs> so, whatever um and so I was like, okay, so what What are the kind of people do I feel like I have an affinity with? Like, obviously, queers, queer queer women, lesbians, whatever. Um, and so Anna, my girlfriend, was like, you know, a really good way to promote your music would be on TikTok. You know, we can do a trend, but we can use your music. So she's really, like, at the core of this brainwave. And I, I have her to, to credit with, you know any recent following I might have accumulated and it's been it's been quite a bit I mean in um June I had 800 Instagram followers and now I've got like 1,500 so like there has been quite a steep oh, that's coming from TikTok increase from TikTok oh okay basically See, I'm not a TikTok user so that's I don't fine know I mean it's gonna get banned pretty soon anyways um <laughs> end of your career then <laughs> exactly so that's basically what I've been doing you know just sort of Oh God, I guess it's like what what the kids call thirst trapping these days, where you try and make yourself look as, you know, appealing as possible and then do some kind of trend where like you change outfit or that kind of thing. And you, I, when I say change outfit, you don't undress on camera. No, I'm you not jump and point. it magically happens. Yes, exactly. So with, with TikTok's many editing tools, you kind of create this magical video where you miraculously appear in a different outfit in the same position. Um, so we've been doing that with with the music that I've been making. But I also did one which was just self-promotion, basically. It was a kind of green screen text behind me saying it was from my agent or manager or something. And it said, like, hey, you should promote your music on TikTok so you, you can learn to drive and not be a stranded gay. Um, and I just captioned it yeah if you guys could please you know stream this song Mimi because you know it just mean a lot to me and you know what the gays fucking came through they are such a dedicated fan base because I don't know I think maybe if you're queer like you've just gone through some shit automatically which other people haven't and so you're you always like prioritize the happiness of other queer people because you know, we all kind of, there's a sort of general understanding and camaraderie that, you know, oh, gal, we've been through it. We've been through it. Um, so they just really came through for me and were really sweet and supportive. And that's just been a huge boost. Like TikTok is a boon. It really has been a boon. Um, so yeah, that's, that's been the main form of advertisement yeah. at the moment. I think once you get that engagement as well, and you're seeing these people, um, Maybe not so much as individuals, but still, you you read the comments or whatever. I reply to the messages, yeah. you know, as much as I can. It makes a difference, and it's like, oh wait, I am providing value, and it's almost like, okay, maybe you don't. 
okay it's that thing of like i don't need it to be justified but it is quite nice having that justification that little that little, little shmoom shmoom that little niche of, of validation is yes. just like oh there's a dopamine hit give me again <laughs> oh yeah and don't it keeps, stop you know, it sorry, keeps too you much. going as well <laughs> you know? yeah it does and it, it is a huge source of motivation you know it's one thing to be it's one thing to be motivated purely by your love of it but again what do we call that ego and amateur oh yeah well, Sorry. it's the same thing it's Sorry. the same thing <laughs> but you know to know that people are enjoying it that does give you a little boost it gives you a little boost which is like you know what even though i would be doing it anyway at least now this is a sort of this has clarified a path whereby i could actually do this forever and that's what's nice about it because you think if people are interested in it and if people are um buying it streaming it listening to it engaging with it you think this is sustainable and it's not the people loving it that gives you the horn it's the sustainability that gives you the horn yeah i mean i think that's a really nice way to end it off to be honest yeah is there anything else the horn you- <laughs> <laughs> if there's one thing you want to take away from this i always ask as well that is there any sort of advice or you know someone who's going through the same things or is looking to start making music but doesn't know where to start trust your own judgment okay trust your own judgment if you are uh writing something it is in your hands be cautious of uh the people with whom you share it because they will treat it like something they've created and they will want to put their spin on it but ultimately it's your creation you wouldn't let someone else dress your baby well, maybe you would. I don't know. It's the kind of thing Gwyneth Paltrow would do. But well, like, Anna's not gonna let anyone. No, <laughs> but you, dress you your what? babies. No, no, no. Of course not. Um, but that's that's kind of what I would say. I would just say really, really trust in your own voice and your own sound. But simultaneously, be happy to take advice and do not let your pride stand in the way of your taking advice. But try and fuse that strong sense of self and that strong sense of your passion with the advice and comments other people give you because it's impossible to please everyone literally impossible so give up on that idea right away um but all i would say is the the art and songs i've had the most success with have been written well i mean they're all written by me but they've been produced by me and looked after by me so really do trust your own judgment listen to your gut listen to your heart and don't focus on what you think people want to hear at first anyway definitely focus on what you love and the rest will fall into place and work hard and that's it and that's how you create something sustainable but also super fun and still expressive at the same time exactly yeah oh great that was so useful i really enjoyed that conversation i'm glad me too i'm sorry i like really went on and on and on at points when I probably could have condensed it to about a third of the answer. <laughs> no, but that's the whole point of like having these conversations as a podcast and having long format conversations. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, if for anyone who is listening, you know, you can just put it on whilst you're doing other things and have, you know, two of us join your the room with you. <laughs> yeah, let us come in. <laughs> Too much. Um, okay, self-promo time. Self-promo time. Okay, Where can so- we find you? Uh, probably the best place to find me is Instagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, my handle is at calypso.sings. And from there, you'll be able to find my Spotify. Um, if you're looking for me on other sort of search engines, like if you just Google uh, Calypso, but make sure 
you put an umlaut over the Y because this has just been the bane of really? my life. Yeah, because Calypso is obviously, a, you know, a genre of yeah. like, um, it's music that is listened to in the West Indies and it's that kind of, um, that genre, steel drums and stuff like that, which is beautiful, but sadly it's not what I write. It's um, just my name. <laughs> exactly. I've just got really pretentious parents, okay? So uh, in order to combat that, I had to put an umlaut over my Y. Um, so if you look for me there just make sure you put an umlaut over the y and if you type in like calypso mimi or calypso please or calypso i don't plus know, insert so song name exactly yeah. exactly and i i should i should crop up but instagram is probably the place to go yeah not tiktok yeah you can go to tiktok as well yeah. i think uh at the moment we're mainly doing videos on my girlfriend's uh tiktok handle which is at ans miguno that's a-n-s-m-i-g-u-n-o um and from there you'll be able to find my tiktok as well although I, I don't post that frequently but i will i will try and improve upon that and TikTok um, on the schedule today yeah exactly exactly uh i'm trying to think if there's anything well, else it's on apple music as well right it's on apple music it should be on all the sort of yeah. uh streaming sites like from deezer to google play and stuff like mm-hmm. that um and i'm working on a new track at the moment which i'm hoping to release by the end of this year so keep your ears open and your eyes peeled very exciting stuff thank yeah. you so much thank for you chatting so much with me. thank you i had a great time great all right bye If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review and share it with others so that we can expand the conversation and reach more people. Just say that you heard it through The Grapevine. To stay updated, you can follow The Grapevine Society on Instagram at The Grapevine Society. And you can also find all podcast notes on thegrapevinesociety.com.